Hi guys, welcome into today's OBR Film Breakdown. It's going to be an interesting show. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have to do what I hate to do every year, but I think it's a necessary task. We look at, I, I talk about all the time how we look at our team through orange and brown colored glasses, right? Like optimism reigns supreme in every offseason, and why not? You know, everybody in your life, there's to me two types of people. There's energy givers and energy takers. I prefer to surround myself with as many energy giving type people as I can possibly find. I think that's a great goal to have in life. There are unfortunately going to be takers. And I use that analogy for the situation of what fun is it in the off season to be a taker, you know, to, to say the team's going to suck, to say this is going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. Most of us don't do that. Most of us don't live in that world because it's a, it's a pretty boring and terrible world to be in. It's just a, it's a, it's an energy draining to tie it back sort of scenario. So we all look at this with optimism, how our team, you, you ignore the negative, you ignore the things that could go wrong. And I think it's always fair. And I've tried to do this over the last two years. Unfortunately, last year's podcast was a little bit too accurate, but I try to take a granular look at what can go wrong. Now, last year, so much optimism, understandably that you know, it was it was sort of an interesting exercise to nitpick a lot of different players. I'm not going to do that this year. There is way too much negativity right now, and I don't want to send out a podcast here where it's centered around picking apart every single player. But I do think the exercise, as we sit here and look at the, I think we're in the trenches of what is pretty negative. The exercise can be interesting to look at. You know, the the scope of if things go wrong, which they could here, how do they go wrong? And in, and a byproduct of that is where are we at the end of that run? So I wanted to bring on today's guest, Jared Mueller. You know, Jared at Brownswire does a great job running that site. And uh, I think Jared's a great guest for this topic because it is not a fun topic, but I think one that we can try to try to sort of guide our way through and talk about things with a well-rounded angle. So, Jared, what's up, man? How are you? You know, I'm doing good, Jake. It's always good to talk to you. And I love the idea of energy giver and energy taker, you know, so I actually think you and I as positive people probably mm -hmm. are, are the best to have this conversation as opposed to people who are already kind of focused on the negatives uh, because it allows us to balance ourselves out and, and maybe for some of the fans balance uh, some things out for them as well. So, uh, you know, not always looking forward to the negatives, but, you know, we're professionals. We can do this. Yeah, we can do it. We're going to make it happen. Like I said, last year, I picked apart the entire roster and tried to just say, here's where it could go wrong. Almost individual players. We're not going to do that here. What we're going to do is pick broader topics. So like I said, this is they're currently living in the situation, in my opinion, that is the most negative situation, which is the quarterback they traded for is is looking at an indefinite suspension. If it is different than an indefinite suspension, right on. But I just don't. I don't see it being different than an indefinite suspension. So the worst case scenario for the Cleveland Browns organization is that Deshaun Watson missed the entire 2022 season. So that is the negative space that we are living in. So what we have to do now is look at it from offense, defense specials. And then I have a kicker, uh, not the actual kicker who seems to be doing quite well, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we have an extra bonus little angle too, that I want to hash out a little, but offensively, um, I think Jared, as, as Jacoby takes over the reins here, the idea that they need to run the football a ton is pretty obvious. Like they need to take advantage of the stable of running backs. If they keep Kareem signs point toward them, keeping him. But I'm interested in your opinion. If this offense is as bad as last year's offense, wh why do you think that is? 
and, and sort of if you want us to highlight a few places you think that that becomes a real situation, feel free to do so because I think I have a pretty uh, clear understanding of where, uh, in my opinion, this will go wrong. So I'm curious where if they end up being a bottom, uh, bottom third offense in the NFL, why, why does that happen? You know, I think you you we're really excluding the, injuries. I should say yeah, that yeah, yeah. Just, we're keeping injuries out of the fold. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple things that I look at. First and foremost, you know, I know obviously uh, not everybody likes talking about analytics and EPA and you know all of the different PFF scores and all that kind of stuff. But we know that in general, running the football is an inefficient thing to do in the NFL today. And so, even though the Browns are really, really good at something that uh, used to be important, at some level. Running the football is what teams defenses want a team to do, even though the Browns do it as well as pretty much anybody in the league, maybe right behind the Baltimore Ravens when they are actually fully healthy. But that's an inefficient way to win in the NFL, and it really severely limits what uh, your offense is able to do. Uh, And I think when I think of Jacoby Brissett, while I think he can be good enough or good the reality is, is I think of a lot of offenses, whether it's the Ohio State under JT Barrett uh, or Mitch Trubisky, who won't throw uh, one side of the field, or even Jimmy Garoppolo, who really can't throw the ball deep. When you have a quarterback that very clearly can only do a certain amount of things, all of a sudden the defense can just cue on everything. And so with Jacoby Brissett, with really only Amari Cooper as a proven wide receiver or a pass-catching threat besides some of the screen game stuff, all of a sudden you're looking at that eight-man box, that seven-man box that is is loaded up on the run, and even though they may run some pistol and, and some of that kind of stuff, the defense really has a good idea of what is happening without the huge concern of Jacoby Brissett burning them if they're loading up that box. So That really is kind of number one for me. And then to be honest, there's a part of me that still remembers Amari Cooper pre-Dallas, right? And and with the Raiders, Cooper allowed himself to get frustrated sometimes really, really easily. And so if Jacoby Brissett is throwing the ball to him and it's inaccurate, he's getting hit, um, you know, passes aren't where they need to be on time, those kind of things. I do have a slight concern. Again, I'm just hearkening back to kind of some of the Raiders things I remember when he wasn't playing with really good quarterback play and the, the team was struggling. Is that something, you know, Amari was traded to Cleveland. He didn't decide to come here. So does he start to kind of struggle with that adjustment, with that poor quarterback play? And then all of a sudden, now your number one receiver really isn't playing to that level. So all of that kind of wraps around the fact that a limited offense in this league is problematic because you can't keep up with most NFL offenses, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals, even with the Baltimore Ravens, obviously onto Kansas City, Buffalo, and those types of teams. Yeah, the wide receiver group stands out to me where, you know, we're going to talk a bit more about Jakeem Grant and that situation with the Achilles later, but they just, I, I mean, there's so many things I'm worried about here. I mean, you talked about Amari Cooper. I think it's safe to say Amari's not quite who he used to be. I still think he can be a good player, a really, really good. I should say that. He, he's a really, really good player. But, but you know, you hit the age as you hit, and you, you, you start to get to that point where you're a little disappointed in either where you're at or what's around you, like you said, with the quarterback play this year. 
and that stuff starts to fall off and you start to get nervous about that because then it goes Donovan Peoples Jones, who I think is very fine for an esoteric role, very specified role in the league. But then it's like, okay, is David Bell going to be a separator? We don't really know. Anthony Schwartz reported to be inconsistent as possible at camp. And then it's like, who? I mean, it, it, this this wide receiver group, I think there's a very realistic chance that we look back at the end of the year and we're trying to pinpoint what went wrong with the offense. And you're like, this wide receiver group was just embarrassing. And I think it's like there is a world where the Browns clearly thought that they'd have Deshaun Watson for a portion of it, and he could make up for that, and he could make things happen, and yada, yada, yada. But I'm just worried that they have completely glossed over the depth of a wide receiver room and and how that impacts an offense holistically. Even if you don't have a quarterback like Watson trying to help a, a quarterback like Brissett. And to that point too, you only have two real tight ends right now. That's another thing. And even 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 that is in and of itself <laughs> a complete philosophical change for Dave, for 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 Stefanski uh, to be a heavier twelve personnel guy. But that depth there is a little limited too. So I'm just. The scope of pass catchers, I think we could look back at the end of the year and be like, how did they neglect this? Why couldn't they go out and get, you know, I don't know what the Will Fuller. There's been some reported issues beyond football, not not legal stuff, but just beyond football. Mental health things, I think, are playing a factor. But could you go trade for Jalen Rager? Could you go trade for uh, Darius Slayton? Could you go trade for some of those guys out there who are fringe guys, maybe potentially like um, um uh, Mims in, in in New York, like it just seems like. And again, there's time. They don't kick off until another month and two days from now. But I'm just very, very worried about that. I think the offensive line has a middle of the NFL basement. They're they're elite, uh, number one offensive line ceiling. So I'm not overly concerned about that group. But the the receiver stuff, we we know Brissett is going to be a version of 2021 Mayfield. He's not as he's not as good as Baker when Baker's right and playing his best. But he's he has a chance to be better than last year's Mayfield. And even reminder, like last year's Mayfield, although rough, uh, they were on the fringe of making the playoffs. So it's not it's you don't need that much better quarterback play. But the, the again, we lived in a reality where the Browns top receiving threat last year. I think the team went for what people's Jones went for 500 yards, 600 yards. Somebody, so, yeah, it was pretty ugly there, too. Like repeating that, though, would be just such a miserable outcome. And I think if we look back on it, to me, the thing that would go horribly wrong outside of just terrible, terrible quarterback play. But again, they had that last year and I'm kind of expecting it is is they just don't have any way to create explosives in the pass game. That to me is what I continue to harken back on. And I don't think it's all too crazy to think that's what's going to be the the downfall of this group when we look back, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the things to point back on. And obviously everything we can look back and, and there's a lot of moves that go along with it. But remember the Cleveland Browns first draft pick was supposed to be number 44. They dealt that pick to the Houston Texans who drafted John Mechie, the third, obviously we didn't know at that point in time that he was going to uh, have his diagnosis. That's going to at least keep him out a year uh, and obviously hope he as well. But at the 44th pick, the Browns passed up the opportunity for John Mechie, the third, uh, and then whoever else was drafted in the second round, the Tyquan Pickens Thornton, and Alec Pierce, yes. and like there Sky were good Moore, names there, yes, right? Sky so Moore. there are three guys: George Pickens, Alec Pierce, and Sky Moore. Uh, Steelers, Colts, Chiefs have really uh, everything I hear is that they are really impressing people in their camp. And so at forty-four, now obviously they traded down. Uh, I believe that those picks help them get Cade York, uh, possibly as well uh, Perion Winfrey, but. 
like we're talking about at the wide receiver position, there were four wide receivers selected at 44 or below in the second round, three of which are possibly going to have a huge impact. And all three of those are AFC teams, right? With the Steelers, Colts and Chiefs. So, mm-hmm. you know, I do think it's interesting. Obviously, best case scenario would be everybody, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a great number two. Amari Cooper's a number one. David Bell slots in there as a slot receiver and Anthony Schwartz does some stuff as a deep threat, but there is such an easy picture to go. Wow. This could look a lot like last year. Like you said, quarterback play last year wasn't good. Hopefully at a minimum, Brissett's not turning the ball over as much. Yeah. It's, it's not hard to pinpoint it. I really don't think it is. I don't think the guards take a step back and there's a world where Nick Harris just can't handle the role right at center. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have a hard time envisioning him just being so overwhelmed, but it could happen uh, as the starter over a prolonged portion of time. But I think the offensive line, you know, Jack Conklin, again, we're not talking about injury stuff here to, to avoid things we don't really know, but if Conklin didn't come back to full health, that would be something that would catch everybody off guard. But you know, you need Jed to, to to continue to strive forward. But I think I don't worry about the offensive line so much. I really worried about how their pass catchers perform. I just think that that's going to be everything for where this thing ends up. And like, if you can't, I, I always love the phrase of you can either have good players or good plays. And I prefer good players. I think the NFL, <laughs> you know, it makes the margin for error super tight. If as a play caller, if you always have to call the good play, if you call the good play, we got a chance. I call this good play, the good time, we got a chance. You need good plays. Uh, sorry, good players. You need guys that can overcome wrong scheme, wrong time. A guy who can create something out of thin air. A guy who can go up and make a back shoulder catch. A guy who can create separation on a route that maybe wasn't intended to be open, but finds itself open. And I just worry that that is something that they have sort of glossed over because they thought that this quarterback thing would be a way to solve that. And um, you know, I get it. You can't fix everything all at once, but it is, it is a situation where I'm just very nervous about being really shorthanded and explosive creation. Uh, and, and again, that was such a big thing. I've always referenced that at times over the last two years, it's felt like the Browns have been playing offense in the red zone everywhere. Everything's condensed. Yep. Can't somebody can't get vertically open and can't create space because defenses don't respect space creation from this offense. So we'll see if that comes to be the same issue they repeat and how they go about fixing that sort of thing next year. But let's switch over to defense. Um, I, man, I, it's a solid group. They're having a great training camp. I don't think that's any secret. I don't think you need people who are on site to tell you that you can see it from swallowing up a couple videos that you find online and, and, and the, and the real talent of this team, you, you know, uh, stacking them side by side is it lies with the defense. So if it is not a group that can get better from last year, which it was a solid group, if it doesn't get better and they slip and slide again, they're middle of the pack to below middle of the pack, below average. Where does it go wrong for them, in your opinion? And again, it's easy to caveat injuries, but everybody can caveat injuries for every single team as a matter of why things go wrong. So I'm curious if everybody you know, stays at full strength. This defense is healthy for the most part. What issue do you think is going to end up being something that causes them to be in a frustrating situation? Because last year, a lot of frustrating situations seemed to happen in like third down and long. Like the third and fourth downs, they couldn't get off the field. So... It just curious what 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 is the issue there if they uh, have it again? Yeah, you know, I think everybody can point to the defensive tackle, and I think you're going to probably might hit on that. But I the bigger concern for me actually is in at the safety uh, position, not because I don't think there's talent there, but John Johnson the third in his role in with the Rams was great, and last year he came on in the second half of the season, but he's not a true free safety. Grant Delpit could be but really is not a true free safety either. 
Ronnie Harrison, no one really wanted him. He signed a one-year, whatever, million-dollar contract to return to Cleveland. And so while they have some quality players, I do feel like they're, again, for nowadays NFL, right? In 1985, Grant Delpa, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, sure, maybe that is a a safety room that I think uh, can really do it. I just worry about their lack of that kind of true really true free safety. I like Delpit a little bit in that role, uh, but I need to see more from him from an explosive, from a change of direction, uh, going backwards. I need to see more of that uh, to really feel confident. So if the Browns on the back end, right, I think they have great defensive ends. I think they have a great cornerback room. Uh, Obviously, like we talked about, health uh, is the most important thing for anybody. But I do worry that without that true free safety, there's a little bit of square peg round hole kind of working now, if Delpit, uh, you know, coming with year two off his Achilles is really able to kind of uh, own that position, great. Um, but I just think it's a little worrisome to not have that in today's NFL with, again, the Joe Burrows, even Lamar Jackson, uh, while people may not love him as a passer, uh, throws a really good deep ball and uh, has some good timing and anticipation at times uh, than the rest of the NFL. So while defensive tackle is weak, Again, I'm not sure if that's going to be a significant issue, uh, especially on passing downs. They can move Miles, Jadavion Clowney, uh, even Alex Wright if they need to. They can move them inside a little bit to kind of uh, create a little bit more pressure from the interior. I'm just you know not... they didn't do any of that last year. R- well, really was surprised that they didn't do any of it. It's very com- yeah, it didn't make sense. But so for me, it's if it's going to go wrong, right? So because that's really what we're talking about it really is at that safety level where you have three guys who want to play forward um, and may struggle kind of getting deep uh, in some of those areas where they need to be. I think that could cause a lot of problems, especially if we look at the offense, if they're limited making explosive plays and the safety room maybe is not able to uh, withstand some of those deep balls, all of a sudden you're not playing complimentary football. Yeah, that's fair. I think the thing that surprised me was last year they used Grant Delpit a little more in that role than John Johnson. They gave him like 200 slot snaps, and uh, there were more fluctuation with how they used Grant. They almost used Grant in a role I thought John would use. Now, there was a nice play of John making a center field interception on the Watson deep ball today, and he did have a nice close to the year, but I just, he's not, his athletic profile doesn't really fit it. He doesn't really fit a deep, rangy center field type player, but if they can. I don't know. I mean, I, to me, I think that's a very fair thing. Like I, I have a hard time when I look at the Browns group and everybody stays healthy. The defensive ends are going to be really good. They're just too talented. Uh, the defensive tackle group, I don't think will be good, but I think it might not matter all too much uh, as long as they do a better job rotating. They did not do a very good job rotating last year. I need those guys to be fresher. Even I guess uh, fresh poop players is better than non-fresh poop players, right? <laughs> uh, to, to ripe it into a, a, a baby diaper analogy, which is what we're dealing with a lot here right now. But um, if they can keep those guys at least being able to play 100% and all go all the time, it can help a little. I think the linebackers, the three that they're going to play the most, JOK, Phillips, and, and Walker will be fine. I have a hard time envisioning that. The thing that is interesting to me is kind of it ties into what you're saying. If it goes wrong, if they never figure out nickel. The, the Greg Newsom experiment, it fails. He's either not good at it or they need mm. him too desperately outside. Greedy cannot handle being consistent. 
AJ Green, who's being pumped up. And I think AJ Green's a nice player, but again, he's a nice depth player for me right now. Their role is put too too far into it because you can't play, you cannot not have three DBs on the field anymore. It's just that's just that's the fact of the game. It's the base defense these days is nickel. Like the, I hate that base is called base for three because it's really not. I mean, it's not it's not popular the way it used to be just because offensive uh, football has evolved, all of those things and. So to me, it's a worry. Like I've wanted to see if Sean Jolly, the the App State kid, the UDFA could handle it. He's been hurt. I don't think he's going to play Friday. So I'm worried about how they handle that or the success of that role. Or if a third safety like, uh, you know, Ronnie Harrison is going to be a box player sometimes and they're going to bump JOK out or whatever route they take. If they like a thing we could look back on to me is well they never got good nickel play and from that issue with nickel play they could never really consistently get coverage umbrella stuff the way they wanted it to because nobody plays three or four down three you know four down uh, cover four early downs as much as the Browns they rely on it they are the leading team in that regard in the NFL last year early down four defensive linemen cover four they were it so like you have to have the right guys in place to be able to play quarters especially the way they do with Denzel so I think they have enough talent between uh, you know uh, if you play Greg and Denzel outside but it's like solving the nickel and if Greg isn't the answer at nickel or they don't get as good a play from having Greg outside and somebody more established in the slot that to me is an area that when we look back on it it could be a concern and the safeties couldn't handle the diverse set of responsibilities they have that is my that is my biggest issue it's easy to pinpoint defensive tackle but to me it just again it's like is it really even going to matter all too much? While I think that this corner situation, especially with the lack of a certain answer at, at nickel, it's like that to me could be a real backbreaker. And that to me is why you don't get off the field on third down. And that to me is why you don't stop early down run stuff because you don't have a guy as that nickel who's willing to stick his head into run fits and go crazy and get in there and make a play as he's a C gap responsibility guy, or he misses a tackle five yards turns into 20. Like that's just how it goes. So I think that, again we're we're operating from the from the from the lens of looking back on this season that has happened and hey i think it could possibly really go wrong here that part stands out to me too so i think we're in the same thinking safety corner and if it comes apart that's where it comes apart and uh and it's weird to say that they have a ton of talented corners that that to me is like pretty abundantly clear but you have to have guys who can play roles like i i, I like a bunch of i like a bunch of talent as much as the next guy but if you have got a bunch of guys who can do all these things, but they can't really hone in on one thing, you start to become, you miss it, right? It's like saying, uh, there's an old phrase, right? About if you have two quarterbacks, you actually have none. Or, you know, like if you're, <laughs> you're rotating and you don't have a guy because you haven't had the guy established. So hopefully that is something they can avoid. But to me, it's the most plausible issue at the end of the year, again, outside of injury stuff. So uh, pretty good, pretty good answer there all around. Special teams, it's, it's 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 the return game. I mean, it could ultimately not matter because Dearness Johnson can he's proven he can handle kick returns if he's willing to do so. I don't know why he wouldn't be uh, given his situation in the running back room. But if he handled kick returns, I find a guy. I mean, if Anthony Schwartz can't add value as a punt returner, what are we doing? Like he, he's got to find something here. So I'm I'm actually relatively excited about getting some of these guys, maybe Felton again, maybe DPJ or whoever punt return opportunities because Jakeem Grant's not a long term answer. It's really tough for him to go down with that injury he went down with. Um, it's it sucks because he was working his butt off and having a nice camp. Again, people are trying to blow that out of proportion, in my opinion, Jared. It's like, oh, what a terrible blow to the Brown seat. No, okay. I think it's terrible for Jakeem Grant. It's horrible for a guy trying to prolong his NFL career, getting close to the age of 30. But it, this has no impact on the year. It just doesn't. He was never going to – it's always – there's always these things that happen at camp. It's funny every year, Jared. 
you'll have a guy like Jakeem Grant who's been around the league five, six, seven, eight years. I don't know how many years. I think he's been around like six now. He's going against fourth string corners and one-on-one drills, and he makes a nice route. And catch. It's like, okay, he's done a nice job <laughs> against the twos. He's done a nice job against the fourth or fifth corner on the roster. That's not how it works. He's not having a great camp. He's not going to be a big part of the offense. He was never going to be a big part of the offense. He was going to be a big part of specials, and that hurts. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really hurt that much. Big blow is Miles Garrett. Big blow is Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb or Deshaun Watson. That That's a big blow, like what we're talking about right now. But it does change the return game that we were pretty optimistic about. But obviously, to me, everything for Prefer hangs on kicking. I mean, they have to have better punting. They have to have better kicking. And if we look back on the year and Cade York has struggled, because I don't think uh, Bajorquez is going to struggle all too much punting, and especially based on what we the, the just weird, terrible punting of the last two years. I don't <laughs> think he's going to be that bad. It's just the kicking. Do you think York has too much pressure? I think when we look back on it, the success of feeling like, well, the specials are pretty good this year, pretty bad, rides on the foot of Cade York, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think the reality is whether it's punting, kicking, or even returns, I think it's theory of relativity. Browns fans and Browns media are used to like, we know the good returners we've had and we know the good kickers and punters we've had. Cause there's only a few of them, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's okay. We're going to talk about Phil Dawson. We're going to talk about Josh Cribs, right? Um, Gardaki, you know, we'll talk about a couple of them. Um, but in the end, we haven't seen good special teams play in a long time. And so, yeah, I think it is Cade York. Unfortunately, we've seen how players, you know, things can get in their head, especially when there's a lot of pressure on them. He's, you know, a fourth round kicker. Uh, talent at the kicker position is really rarely the issue. It's confidence, it's consistency, you know, it's those kind of things, right? Zane Gonzalez kind of resurrected his career in Arizona, and I believe he's in Carolina now. Uh, Austin Seibert almost beat out Evan McPherson last year with Cincinnati. Uh, it's all about confidence and consistency. And so, you know, it wouldn't be shocking because he's a kicker. It wouldn't be shocking uh, if Cade York struggles. What really will be interesting is how long, whether it's this season or beyond, if he does start to struggle, you know, what's the leash on him? Because there's only, there's very few Justin Tuckers. There's very few Adam Vinatieri's. just like in Major League Baseball. There's very few Mariano Rivera's, right? Uh, and I've always correlated or, or uh, compared relief pitchers and kickers. They go sour randomly. You mm-hmm. don't know why, you don't know how, but all of a sudden, a really good uh, Andrew Miller, the left-hander uh, that was with Cleveland for a while, all of a sudden isn't a very good reliever. And all of a sudden, a kicker who was kicking everything through the goalpost can't do that anymore. Uh, and so you're you're exactly right with Cade. It, it really will ride and fall on him. Uh, the punter should be fine. Return doesn't really – they've tried to really legislate returns out of the game. Uh, so shouldn't really be an issue, but it would have been nice to have an explosive return guy that scared people a little bit. Yeah. I think you're, you're spot on about like, it's, uh, it's kicker golfers and, and relief pitchers. And I remember, I always remember Corey Kluber in that playoff game and there was a playoff game where he's like, he lost his arm slot. And I was like, that's such an interesting thing for a pitcher to say to, to lose their arm slot. And that's a similar thing with, with a golfer losing their, you know, where, where everything's supposed to be losing, losing their sequencing, the same thing with kickers it's sequencing. It's, it's pendulum swing. It's all in the same. So, um, you know, I just, it's going to be fascinating to track how he's able to handle all that comes with NFL kicking. And again, and like you said, they have almost legislated return game out of it. As long as you catch the football, as long as you, 
uh, especially punt return and get a couple yards back. That's good. And I mean, you know, Grant had a touch down, a touchdown on a return last year. Those are almost more random than anything else these days, getting a, a punt return for touchdown. Everything kind of has to fall in line, but yeah, special should be better even without Jakeem. And again, it sucks, but I, I, don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a reason to lose a bunch of sleep over all of that. I mean, it's as far as losing sleep, as far as your team winning or losing games or the bottom line of the Browns being impacted by that. So, uh, but if it does go wrong, it's the kicking situation did not clear up as well as we hoped it would clear up. And Cade was not as good as we thought he would be. And um, uh, that's kind of the oversimplification of it, but that's what it is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think there's a reason to lose a bunch of sleep over all of that. I mean, it's as far as losing sleep, as far as your team winning or losing games or the bottom line of the Browns being impacted by that. So, uh, but if it does go wrong, it's the kicking situation did not clear up as well as we hoped it would clear up. And Cade was not as good as we thought he would be. And um, uh, that's kind of the oversimplification of it, but that's what it is. Let's switch to the last topic as we sign out, which is, um, talking about coaching the Browns have been in this situation now and it's rare for them I think I, I had tweeted this out weeks ago that this is the this is the first time since Belichick era um, I think that they have had and this was because Bill was one of the uh, OCs uh, I think the OC <laughs> of the situation but it, they have not had three years of everybody and they were they're in a three-year nice run here of everybody I mean everybody and a lot of key players too right so you're talking about offense, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, um, three years, play caller, all tied together there, three years, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, all back. And, you know, I, I don't even think I included special teams coordinator in that original tweet that I put out because it was just like it's it's hard enough for me to find uh, OC, DC, and head coach, right? So <laughs> um, they're in a nice spot here. But the question becomes, is there – Oh, it seems unrealistic. Let me put it this way. It seems unrealistic to say right now because it just is far-fetched and there's so much that has happened uh, between uh, last offseason, this offseason, so many moving pieces and all of that. 
but is there a world where Kevin is on the hot seat or potentially fired at the end of the year? I think that's a thing we have to wonder if the, if for example, the, the, the buzz about Stefanski being one of the leading guys to go after Deshaun and, and, and this Deshaun situation was sold to Jimmy Haslam in one way. And Jimmy Haslam is like, okay, well now he's done for the year. And I was sold that he wasn't going to miss this year based on this data, whatever, whatever. And I guess it's like that plays into them going six and 11 or seven and 10, and it's like Stefanski out of nowhere is fired, AB maybe two. And it's like all of a sudden we sit here and I've, how many times as Browns fans have we done this? And remember, this is a negative looking, looking ahead and saying what could go wrong. This is a thing that could go wrong. So it turns into, in my opinion, this weird thing where we've always had so many things where they'll pop up on the Twitter timeline and be like, man, this was just a year ago. John Dorsey was here. And this has been a bit, but John Dorsey was just here. And it's like things happen so quickly and you never think they're going to happen that quickly. And then they do. So I guess my question is, do you see a situation where Stefanski finds himself on the hot seat or potentially fired at the end of this year? Or do you think it is just a weird year and they're just going to ride it and just like, we'll, we'll run this thing back no matter what happens, because we know we don't have the guy that we thought we would have at that key position. You know, uh, it's really it's depressing to question. even think about, yeah, but it, no, you're good. It's, it's really depressing to think about, right? Like, you know, I'm the guy that's been begging for some kind of consistency because you can't compete with the Ravens and the Steelers who have had basically the same version of a front office and a coaching staff for a decade plus now. Uh, the New England Patriots even who can stay okay, even if they don't have a good quarterback without consistency, you need players who are fifth round uh, draft picks going into their fourth season who can step in as starters, maybe not be great, but can step into the same system and be a starter. And that only happens with consistency, but Jimmy Haslam is still the owner of this team. And even when you ask the question about Stefanski, there's that really kind of weird dynamic that when you look back, remember Stefanski was hired first and was involved in hiring Andrew Barry. So Mm -hmm. there's also that piece where they seem like they're a package deal, whether they were packaged together before Stefanski was hired. I actually do not think so. There was some other guys, including uh, George Patton, who's now with the Denver Broncos. So I think it's very possible. I think in the end, the biggest thing that would lead Stefanski and then probably Barry out the door really won't have to do with on the field. It'll have to do with in the locker room. Last year, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., everything that's involved with that, that's one thing, that's one year, right? And it was a bad season. 2020, they made it all work in a COVID-related year, which all of us gave credit to Stefanski for keeping the team together. Last year was just ugly for a variety of reasons. This year, if there's still locker room issues, right? Uh, I don't think Kareem Hunt's issue is locker room. I think it's just a guy trying to get his leverage. Yeah. But if there are locker room issues this year, I think that would be what leads to the ouster of Kevin Stefanski. If we start hearing griping about, again, Dearness Johnson, Kareem Hunt, uh, the wide receivers, um, you know, whether it's Brissett or Watson, you know, how the quarterback is being used, the defense griping about how the offense is playing. If we start to hear some locker room stuff, I think that's when you're going to really go, all right, um, maybe he doesn't have it. Whatever it is to lead a locker room, this is his first time, and he struggled two years straight. We can't really assume he's going to figure that out in year three with the same team. 
Yeah, especially the same voice again and again. I, I think he's the best head coach they've had since the return. Yeah. And um, to your original sentence there, I think it would just it would suck. It would really <laughs> suck to have thought we had this figured out. Like Stefanski was this guy that we thought, okay, he's young. He's 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 uh, very approachable. He is uh, understanding. He seems to 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 feel the game from a, a bigger uh, perspective. Like it just he's even key. Like all those things that we thought we're going to lead to long-term success if they don't. And, and, and you said it right. If the locker room's a large part of the fraction point and many other things tie into that, but like, yeah, man, that would be a really depressing time. It would be a really <laughs> depressing time to have seen a coach that we have seen flashes of players. We thought were going to be the right guy, you know, but it's it, not very often. We've seen flashes of the coach that we thought, you know, Petten gave us a little taste but this guy won coach of the year, man. Like he won coach of the year and uh, took them to the playoffs, done some things that people haven't done in Cleveland in a long time. And yeah, that'd just be a horrible outcome. So we're going to end a really depressing podcast with that depressing <laughs> piece of information for you and uh, uh, say that it sucks. And we hope it doesn't, it doesn't come to that, but, but that's what this show's about is looking at, Hey man, you're really excited for the year. And I get that. I am too, but you got to also look at, uh, what could go wrong for your team. And I think these are all in the scope of uh, this could go wrong. So we, we hashed it out. If you have thoughts on this topic and we didn't cover them, I always love to see tweets uh, to either the OBR film breakdown page or uh, myself or hell tag Jared in this one too. He had a lot of opinions. So bring it uh, on, bring it on, man. We, <laughs> we always appreciate the engagement. Cause that's what, what it's all about at the end of the day. So Jared, appreciate you very much, man. Taking time, short notice as usual. You're uh, you're the best bro. Absolutely, Jake. Anytime for my brother. All right, man. Thanks, Jared. Thanks to you guys uh, for checking out today's show. We, we've done our negative podcast. We're going to move on from it, and we're going to be better people from it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we always have to do this every year, even though it sucks, and it sucks more this year than it's ever sucked before because of all of the turmoil. And I know we're all so tired of thinking about it, hearing about it, and reading about it and all that stuff. So hopefully this can be a year of unexpected success in a way that would be really cool at the right time when the franchise would really need it an underdog story um uh, maybe maybe led by a backup quarterback that would be a really great thing so thanks for checking out today's episode guys appreciate you have a great wednesday we'll have some jags preview stuff coming up over the next few days so be sure to tune into that and then a reminder playback Really excited about this thing that's coming up. I'm even going to try to get Jared in the room for the game if he can come by. This is a really cool thing. There is uh, going to be a link in the description of this episode again. Again, the link to get to the room, which will be the same room all year long. You don't have to get a bunch of different links, different games, different links. It's all the same. It'll be in the same room every time. Getplayback.com slash room slash OBR live. And we will be uh, your Joe Buck, your Troy Aikman, your uh, Tony Romo of the game. I'll be there broadcasting it from my perspective, talking through my thoughts and having on great guests, like I said, such as Jared and many guys from the OBR too. So uh, come by, check that out Friday. Pumped to see you there. We finally get some football this week. We're pumped about that. So forget all the negativity we talked about here. Wash it away. Erase this episode from your downloads and have a fantastic Wednesday, guys. Appreciate you and go Browns.